It's 8.02 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's on a Wednesday evening in a very humid Mississippi evening. This is the first live episode of Discussing Who on Mixler. Welcome. Welcome. I know that hopefully we'll get some people coming in at some point, but right now I've got with me the other co-host that's here on a regular basis, Mr. Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing great, Cal. How's it going? I'm doing well. So this idea kind of came from you a little bit. So tell me what brought you to Mixler and what made you think, hey, I want to use Mixler. And, you know, what was the idea behind that? And put well, you I mean, on the spot. Yeah, well, of course, you have the history of using uh, TalkShoe. And, and we, we, we're looking at a different, a few different options. And this is one that's kind of uh, newer, I would say, and hopefully a bit of good audio quality. So it's just one of those platforms we're going to try out and see how it works, and hopefully it goes well. And uh, the goal is to get a lot of people in here uh, talking and chatting and, and actually interacting with the show. Yep, and that's, you know, I would agree with you. That's the ultimate goal here is, you know, we've gotten some feedback, which at the end of this episode, when we have it, not the live version, but the studio version after it's been edited together. We will have some more feedback from Matthew on one of our previous episodes. But we, I agree with Clarence. We wanted to have something that someone could come in and talk to us and, you know, be a part of the experience. Because, you know, we want this to be something that people can communicate with us as well as us communicating with them. So that's yes, what we're it, here for. Definitely about the community. We want the community interacting. Exactly. Hey, and speaking of back and forth experience, uh, or um, you know, back and forth just in general, let's talk just a minute about where the third part of discussing who is tonight. Lee is not with us, but he is on the Hickory Playground, which is celebrating the theater arts in Hickory, North Carolina. It's a one-act play festival, and it's held at the Salt Block in History, I mean, excuse me, Hickory, North Carolina, on July the 23rd, 2016. So that's what he is doing, getting prepped for that. You can go to um, hickoryplayground.com. That's spelled hickory, H-I-C-K-O-R-Y, playground, P-L-A-Y-G-R-O-U-N-D.com. You know, go check it out, and that's what Lee will be doing this week and he's not with us but of course you know we'll be glad to have him back on the next episode so let's get right in to what we're talking about tonight but let's start with the news first and i know we've got several items so clarence would you like to take the first one? Oh yeah uh, netflix to stream cbs new star trek series um but uh, the caveat is not in the u.s so uh, I, I saw this headline come through a few days ago and I was, you know, at first glance, I was all surprised and, and, and uh, filled with excitement. But then the, the, the whole thing of it not being in the U.S. and I guess Canada also kind of um, kind of was a bomber. You know, it's, it's a business decision. Uh, if you have a fan base that's avid enough, they will pay. And, I, you know, I'm willing to pay. uh what it, I think it's like five or six bucks a month uh, for a few months to get this. Um, I think they're also going to have a few more shows. Um, like I think a, a Good Wife spinoff is, is going to be oh, really? also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to build up their online catalog and, you know, hopefully it's a great series and I'll definitely be willing to pay, but it, it does seem weird that we're kind of getting shafted over here. Well, you know, <laughs> this it's, you know, I agree with you. And what's interesting about this is, you know, while you were talking, I was sitting here thinking, we're seeing television transform itself to more of the pay-per-view type uh, viewing, especially yeah. when you're looking at one of the three, big three, the original broadcast channels that are still around, CBS, doing an all-access where you have to pay to see certain content. And that's interesting to me it, it it seems really weird and my hope is that it would is not a not the case where it's a lesser experience but sort of like the netflix model just online you know just as good but it's just online and and i guess uh 
you know, uh, we'll see soon if if that actually comes to fruition or if it's going to be a lesser thing. I certainly hope not. No, I agree with you. You know, I have I like what you said. I have no problem paying for viewing, paying for access, paying to watch it. But when you look at from the point of, well, there is X show that I want to see on Hulu. That's a Hulu original. And there is a Y show on Amazon. Or Amazon is the exclusive United States uh, content provider for Doctor Who episodes that are streaming. Then you go to Netflix and there are the Marvel things. So you look at, well, I'm paying you know, three different subscriptions Plus, oh, well, I've got to have cable, oh, the, and oh, I'm getting Game of Thrones. Now I'm getting HBO. So yeah, before it's, long... It's slippery slope. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I think it's just part of the evolution of the medium. It, you know, when you boil it all down to it, the way we consume media is changing. Yeah, I mean, and again, on, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, if you can get away with paying 35 $30 a month and get everything you want, that's still not a bad deal. No, I agree. I agree. Which the only caveat to that is you're looking at using data as you, you know, consume your content online. So in a way you, if you, depending on who your provider is, you still wind up, if you've got a cap, still wind up paying. So, you know, balancing out, I guess. Yeah. I mean, even, even the mobile data on, um, on, on, uh, Comcast is, is, been um lifted to a much higher uh bar so i mean i don't it's still a shame that we're getting those caps but hopefully as time goes on and we consume more data those will get farther and further out of reach where it's not really a problem quite true quite true quite true so let's jump on to number two on our list which is also star trek related which is i saw that jj abrams says that Chekhov will not be recast at, after Anton Yelchin's untimely death, which I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good uh, homage to the actor, not necessarily the character, but to the actor himself. What do you think? I mean, I definitely think it's a classy move to, to do that. Um, it, it would be interesting to see how they actually write him out of the story. Um, and it opens up a spot for another cool uh character from the star trek universe to maybe step in but you know it's a shame of what happened to anton and you know um i'm just glad that jj is giving him the respect he deserves and and i think we may see something about that in the movie you know i, I wouldn't doubt if we see something in the opening or closing credits given you know homage yeah. to him yeah i think so too and i think that would be you know totally appropriate and speaking of the movie the movie comes out, uh, well, this is 2016, so if you're listening, it's coming out this Friday in the United States. I'm sure it may be playing in other parts of the world at different you know, times, of course, but at least here this Friday, it's coming out in theaters, and we will be reviewing Star Trek Beyond on an upcoming show, which will most likely be our next show. Very interested to see that. What do you think? What do you think of what you've seen in the clips that you've seen so far? Uh, it it's going to be different. The director this time is around is like, uh, is it Justin Lin or something Lin? I think I so. Remember. Yes. Yeah. He's he's a, a, a Fast and the Furious alum, so he he's come on board with JJ and they've uh, put this movie together. It seems very fast paced and hopefully it's exciting and hopefully it can uh, reinvigorate the the Star Trek uh, universe, especially it being the 50th anniversary this year. So. I'm looking forward to this, and hopefully it will wow me. What about yourself? I I, th I think it's going to be quite good. I think it's going to be quite interesting. I just got, if I sounded, I was a little bit distracted. I just wanted to let everyone know that um, Dave Cooper from the Cultum Collective is listening on his iPad via Mixler. So we've got uh, Dave Cooper listening to us. So hello, Dave. I know you can't <laughs> say hi to us, but hi nonetheless. So we just wanted to give a little shout out to you. Speaking of, I, I want to go ahead and jump uh, since I got the message from Dave. Uh, Clarence, have you had an uh, opportunity to listen to the uh, Cultum episode? Uh, yes, 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 I have. And um, 
Man, it's it's a lot of history, a lot of learning going on. <laughs> I was very interested in, you know, how the show came together and, you know, even even I thought the story was fascinating about them never really meeting. They kind of met through an extension of a handshake, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, it was it was great hearing the background of those guys and and you know, I want to get try to get involved more into listening to them and and it, they have a great story and yeah, I really enjoyed that episode. Well, I I had a ball. That's the best way to put it. I mean, I I had <laughs> you, so much fun doing that episode. I could tell. <laughs> I did. I mean, that 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 was my, you know, channeling. Who is it? Uh, who who's a good interviewer? Barbara Walters, I guess. I'm, you know, I didn't make them cry. I did make them laugh, but I but that was fun. You know, sitting down and having the information that I wanted to get from them and going through that. It was also fun doing the part where I was talking to myself. So, I mean, that was like, that, that was, that was fun. So that, 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 that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and, I, and I'll just add this. I mean, it's a good testament to anybody who's trying to start something, you know, whether it be a podcast or whatever you're trying to do, you know, they seeing how they made ties and, and really built their empire, so to speak. Um, it was really cool and interesting. Yes, and you know, I uh, I, I want to throw out another plug for them. Uh, they will have on this coming Sunday, which is seven twenty four twenty sixteen, at two p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. They will have their seventh anniversary celebration, and that will be on TalkShoe.com. And the call ID for that is five four eight two one. So if you're listening and uh, you're, you're, you have a chance Sunday afternoon to log, log into that, tell Dave and Ian that uh, discussing who Kyle and Clarence sent you. So you know, give, us, give us a shout out as well. So um, thank you again uh, to those two guys, and I look forward to calling in on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. Clarence, you mentioned the other day, I'm, I'm going to have fun with this one. You mentioned the other day that you watched something called the extended uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Boredom. Uh, so tell me about that. Oh, cow. You kid, you kid. This It was an interesting movie. It was a little bit more interesting watching it the second time around. Some of the scenes that we got in this extended cut flushed out a lot of things, but for instance, we get a few more moments with Clark, uh, more moments with Lois that kind of establishes uh, his love for her and also why he is so adamant on stopping the bat, you know, because he's this vigilante uh, superhero. That being said, it's not going to change any anybody's opinion about the movie. Again, I say the movie is not as bad as you and <laughs> as you and Lee say, in my opinion. Um, I think that the biggest barrier for you guys is that you have so much legacy um, familiar, familiarity with these characters. And if you're just coming in fresh, it's not as bad. That being said, there's still a lot of issues with the story, the pacing, these flashbacks that or flash or, or, or per, per, uh, visions of the future that we get that really don't make sense in this film at all. They're totally out of place. It still has the same issues, but I, I really, I think it's an okay movie. I don't think it's bad. I, I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching it. And I saw an article today, which kind of, <laughs> I like Cal would hate this. Uh, somebody wrote an article saying that this will become a cult classic. And I can kind of agree with that. It's just quirky enough to do that. And, you know, I think once we get the Justice League movie and the Wonder Woman movie, we'll probably look back on this movie with a different different lens uh, in the next few years. I hope so. I really, <laughs> really hope so. And, you know, a shameless plug here. Anyone who wants to hear what I really think about the movie, go back to our website, DiscussingWho.com, and check out Episode 5, Lee and I don't agree with Clarence one bit. Um, let me ask you, have you heard who might be returning? And this is a rumor, by the way, and pretty much you know how rumors go and rumors pretty much often prove to be false, but it's worth mentioning nonetheless. Have you heard who might be returning to Doctor Who? 
Uh, yes, I have. I, I saw a few articles pop up, and it's if if I guess we should say who it is. <laughs> yeah, might as well because, like I said, chances are by this time, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you've already read it. And again, it's a rumor. And again, a year without Doctor Who means we have to speculate. And what's better to speculate than on rumors? So the rumor was that Matt Smith might be returning, being the first person to regenerate. So let's just say that it wasn't a rumor. Let's say that this was something that they were actually planning to do. Knowing that they set the precedent or they set the hint with Tom Baker's appearance in the uh, Day of the Doctor in the 50th anniversary oh, episode. Oh, I forgot about that. See, remember... Uh, uh, where he says, uh, you know, I never forget a face. And then he turns around and says, I know you don't. And in the years to come, you might find yourself revisiting a few, but just the old favorites. See, wow, that right there set that, that. that set the stage. Is it too soon to, to take, the, take up on that offer? Well, you know, one of the things that kind of uh, jumped out to me about this, uh, I read an article. I can't remember where, what the source it was. I think we posted it on our Facebook page. But the fact that he deeply, at least from this article, it says he deeply regrets leaving Doctor Who. And, and, and you know, just hearing that, uh, it, it lets you know there's a possibility that if given the chance, seems like he would jump back on it. Uh, what it does for the series, I don't know how I would feel about an old face coming back. You know, it's kind of... It's kind of like some of these shows, uh, and I failed to come up with a good example right now, where you have the same character on there uh, for years and years and years, and, you know, the series in, or if the series gets passed on, you want something to get refreshed about it. You want to see something new. So he was a great doctor. I love Matt Smith. If he comes back, I will be jumping up and down, but I don't, I don't know what it does really for the series. It does a lot for the fans, but for the series, I just don't know. All right, so let me ask this question, and this is going to sound like the old psychological question or psychology 101 or, or phys- not physiology, uh, uh, anyway, not physics either, but you'll get my point. Can you, can you step in the same river twice? And, and, and bear with me here. So let's assume that the 11th Doctor, or the Matt Smith, do- Matt Smith Doctor, had a certain face, which was Matt Smith's face. So since then, he's gone to, to the 12th Doctor. So even if he came back as the 13th Doctor wearing that same face, because he's had experiences with himself as being the next incarnation, would the 13th Doctor by default not be a different doctor than the 11th doctor because of the experiences he's had as the 12th doctor. Yeah. Uh, semantic. Yeah. yeah that, that I know it's semantics, sense. but, but in a way you so could you said, go that route. So basically you're saying he comes back, but he's a totally different persona. You know, I mean, he has Possibly. elements of his old self and he has elements of uh, Peter Capaldi, you know, correct. That, that, that makes sense. I mean, that would be an interesting thing to explore. Again, like you said, maybe it may be a bit too soon for that. I probably could see it more 10 years from now. It will, it will be way, much more interesting than it would be so soon. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this on here, if I mentioned it on Podshot or if I mentioned it on here, but it falls right into this whole speculation of rumors. And so I've, I've got a rumor of my own, a speculation of my own. So we know that the guy taking over for from... Stephen Moffat is currently over Broadchurch, which happens to star David Tennant. <laughs> we also know that the last series of Broadchurch will be record. I think it's either being recorded now or filmed now, and will you know air next year as well, which would free up David Tennant. So I'm just you know speculating, throwing that out. Probably won't happen. But as much as I like Matt Smith, if I had to say, you know, someone should return, I think I would go with David Tennant only because it's been longer since we've had David Tennant. But I'd be happy, honestly, with either one of them returning, to be brutally, totally honest. But I don't think that's going to happen. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Tom Baker, I want to take this one. Uh, Tom Baker. Uh, speaking of him, like I just said, he has joined the cast of Star Wars Rebels. He's forcing a character named Bendu, B-E-N-D-U, and this is a series that will la- air later in 2016 on Disney XD. So one of the most famous voices in Britain is coming to Star Wars. What do you think so, of that? So two two quick questions. Uh, is this a one-off, and, at, and has he ever done any voice acting work before? Uh, as far as being voice acting as in a you know, animated character like that, I honestly don't know. However, I do know that he's been the narrator in the background of Little Britain, uh, which is sort of like a uh, skit comedy, sketch comedy show in, you know, Great Britain. But, um, you know, as far as that type of animated, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Ah, cool, cool. So, all right, well, one more Doctor Who-related item that I want to mention before we get into the actual meat and bones of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to Titan Comics. They hosted a uh, Doctor Who Day on July, July the 9th, and the reason Titan Comics was actually doing a Doctor Who Day is they are the exclusive vendor or publisher of all the Doctor Who titles right now. So just wanted to give a shout-out to them and just saying, you know, I know they're making money off of the books that they're uh, printing, but still, they've chosen to print those books. So for that, I'm thankful. Awesome. All right, and uh, Dave, Dave sent us a message I want to read real quick. He says, what about a story where the doctor experiences rapid changes between three versions of, his, of himself, Matt, <laughs> David, and Peter? Uh, Dave, I would be 100% down for that. I think that would be... Uh, that would be good. Maybe on the fifteenth anniversary, if we can get uh, of the of the revised or the new version. So, if we can I'm, get, um, you know, if we can get Peter to stay around that long, that would be good. That yeah. I would be even, down for that. Even even that for I could I could you know if if you have clever enough screenwriting, I could actually see that for a full series. You know, <laughs> you know maybe every other episode he changes because of some random. Uh, discombobulation in the, I don't know, <laughs> time stream that well, causes him. Well, you know, if you want to say for a whole season, and, you know, I'm sure there are people that, that I know as well as probably people that will eventually be listening to this that might not agree, but I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Paul McGann in a extended story arc. Considering the fact now, if I were to base it on the 96 movie, I'd say, nah, no. But if I were basing it on, you know, the Night of the Doctor, oh, that yeah, mini that episode, awesome. yeah, he was good in that to me. Yeah, very good. All right, so I'm going to let you introduce our main segment and kind of set the stage there and kind of, you know, take it. So have at it. Oh, well, let's see, I'll try. Uh, so um, in our main section, we're going to be discussing uh, Civil War II um, with what is it? Is it three in right now? Is four yeah. out yet? Yeah, four is not out. I think it comes out next week. But yes, uh, ep- episodes, uh, issues one, two, and three are all out. So before we, uh, I do want to mention this. Let me jump in. Bef- before we go any further, if you're listening live or if you don't want to know or you're listening uh, from the podcast feed and you don't want to know anything further, there's spoilers, spoilers, spoilers ahead. So uh, run out to your comic book store, go to marvel.com, you know, buy it, read it, download it, because, you know, there's spoilers ahead. The premise of Civil War Two is, in a nutshell, is and a human pops up with the ability to see the future. Uh, and, and basically the fallout is what do you do with that power? So, I mean, the, the, the basic setup is uh, sort of like in the first Civil War, which I will say my experience from that is not the comic. It is is definitely the movie. <laughs> so maybe you can elaborate on the differences, differences between this one and, and, uh, and the previous one. This one, 
seems a lot more relatable to me than the last one. Even though if you really think of it as a whole, it's really just Minority Report. If you really think about it. No, no, I, I agree. I agree. As far as comparing Civil War II and comparing, uh, you know, the original Civil War for Marvel, uh, you know, I'm, I, I tend to agree with you. The, the first one felt more of, oh, well, it's time for Marvel to do another yearly crossover event. Here we go again. Yes, it made me hate some characters. Yes, it made me like some characters. Uh, during the original one, but I think it translated, in my opinion, much better in the movie than it did uh, in the actual comic. Yeah, I mean, even from the movie, the first one to me felt more like, was it X2? As far as government hold, uh, it's not really government hold, government monitoring of of superheroes, their activities. Uh, Of course, you had Bucky kind of being a pivotal thing in that movie. But to to me, this one just felt a lot more natural. And it was a lot more interesting <laughs> so far anyway. And apparently, uh seems seems like uh the Marvel people over there have been watching a lot of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, people falling left and right. <laughs> Which is very surprising for me in a comic book. Were there were there any deaths in the first Civil War Cow? There was. You know, at the end of it, again, you know, spoilers. But you have been forewarned, so I'm, I'm not going to mention that again. At the end of it, it actually ended with the death of Steve Rogers, Captain America, at least for a while. The thing I remember most about reading that was whose side were you on? And you had the division of the ones who said, I don't, you know, I'm going to s- say who I am. I'm Reed Richards. I'm Mr. Fantastic. And, you know, I don't care who knows that I'm Mr. Fantastic. But then yeah. again, you had the others who didn't want to be part of S.H.I.E.L.D. And and that was more the uh, government telling you what you can do. And and, 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 and that's interesting, you know, uh, the, the way to look at it. This one had more about the government putting their hand in telling you what you can and can't do as opposed to I'm a superhero, I should be able to do what I want to do. Whereas this one is, like you said, the minority report can you can you say someone did wrong based of something they have not done yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, just a, a real quick again on Civil War One. The the only thing I remember about that, and this I was not in reading comics, but the only <laughs> the only thing I really remembered about that at the time was didn't Spider Man get under max un- unmasked? Yes, Isn't that like a yes. big big part of it. Yeah, that, that, to that, me that was like the biggest part big. of the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, and that's yeah, like that the only thing big. I really, yeah, that's like the only thing I remember from that, which Marvel kind of threw on his head when uh, Iron Man basically did the same thing the next year when Iron Man 1 came out. So that, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my thing, my thing with that was the, interestingly enough, I was not on the side of Tony Stark in the original Civil War. I mean, it was, you know, I was team Captain America. I didn't like the idea of you've got to be part of shield if you're going to do this. I didn't 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 like that whole storyline. This one on the other hand, I'm totally you know team Iron Man. And and that's interesting that I was, you know, I mean it literally I got to where I could not stand Reed Richards over over some of the things that he did in uh the you know by arresting some of the heroes and putting them in prison and all this you know, stuff that some of the quote-unquote heroes w- were doing at the time. Well, I mean, to me, in uh, Civil War Two, what makes it kind of real is, and again, I mean, we're, we're talking spoilers, from very early on, once they do get this ability, in the, in the fir- first book you see where they stop this invasion of some huge uh beast or something i don't even know what it's from uh do you, did you recognize that enemy they were fighting or was it just something they made up on what on, on the, the fir- pretty much the first few panels of the first book that big giant thing they were fight, fighting and then the humans come and uh at the right time to help them to be, that i honestly don't remember because i actually didn't buy because uh, I, I missed buying by accident civil war one i know what happened and i know you know who got killed and who got hurt 
but I didn't actually read it. So yeah, well, so so basically, uh, the Inhumans come to the rescue and they prevent this disaster from happening. And you know, they're having this kind of shindig afterwards, and everybody sort of like the scene in in the Last Avengers where they're all in um the the tower and they're all kind of like just chilling out. Okay, it's <laughs> kind it's kind of the same scene. And what happens is it eventually comes out they want to know how did they know how did the humans know that they needed help, and and it turns out that they have this guy named Ulysses. Is that correct? That I is correct. So. Yep, you got it. And he's an inhuman who has the ability to see the future. You know, even at that point, the question comes up is of should we be using these abilities to stop stuff that hasn't happened? You know, are you a criminal? If somebody knows you might do something, but you haven't done it yet, just like my heart report again. <laughs> right. What I don't like about that is, well, well, for starters, on a totally different level than has nothing to do with the, the comic story that they're telling, we know that Marvel does not own the rights to the X-Men franchise for the movie. We also know that because of that, the X-Men, in my opinion, has been given more of a backseat to the Inhumans that they can incorporate in the television shows and they can incorporate. So you're seeing the Inhumans rise to prominence, and I don't like that. That's, that's, That's just my take. You know, I may be right, I may be wrong, but that's my opinion. And not liking that... I don't like the fact that you've got all of these inhumans that are now popping up. And and if you'll notice from what you've read, you'll notice that there is a very (laughs) tense situation between mutants and inhumans. Did did you pick up on that when you were reading it? Uh, Yeah, I could vaguely pick up on it uh, because, I mean, I think in the second book you have where um, Tony goes and tries to he goes and actually gets Ulysses from the, is it Adelant? Adelant? Yeah, Adelant, yes. Yeah, so it seems like the slightest thing could set off a war between these two groups. That was, that was interesting to see because uh, I thought they were, at first I thought they were all kind of on the same page, but, I mean, clearly from the next few pages it showed they were not. All right, so do you know why the X-Men, though, are having such a tense standoff with the Inhuman royal family in particular? Uh, the X Men are having us. I didn't. I didn't realize that was the case. Um, okay. Is it? I, I know the Beast is with the humans now. Right. Um, yeah, older it, Beast, not younger Beast. Young, his younger version is still with the X Men. The older version that that you saw is basically, and I don't like him. I like the younger one, but I don't like the older one. Wait, but there's two Beasts. There's two Beasts. Yeah. <laughs> is it the same guy? Yeah, same guy. It's his younger version and it's his older version. Just like there, there are two angels and two Iceman, or uh, you know, two versions and, of Iceman. And why is this again? The older version of the Beast went back in time to bring the younger version of the original five X Men to the future in order to convince Cyclops that his militaristic mindset that he was having was not the way to go. And when they got to the present. They got stuck in the present and they couldn't go back. Interesting. A lot, a lot of twos going on. I've noticed <laughs> that I yeah. wasn't really aware of. You know, the, even when it's two separate characters, you know, so playing the same role, kind of like the Spider-Man and the Captain America thing. A lot, a lot of twos in, in the Marvel universe right now, which could be a, a purely a comic book thing, or it could be Marvel as a whole setting up themselves for in the future, where you know. Chris Evans gets old. Uh, Tony Stark doesn't want to be Iron Man anymore. You know, it could be that type of thing. Very true. Now, 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 let me let me comment on why those two groups are having such a tense standoff, at least as it goes as far as the comic story goes. So, about a couple of years ago, right when they started to push the Inhumans, and they being Marvel, when they started Marvel started pushing the Inhumans. What they did was they said, normally the terrogenesis, the mist that gives the Inhumans their powers, was only for a select few, and you know not many had the powers, not many got the abilities or had the option. Well, something happened in a storyline where there was this immensely huge cloud of this terrogenesis vapor 
that is now circling the globe. But it, while it, anyone with an inhuman heritage or inhuman genes or inhuman genome that could potentially activate, they are activated and get powers. If a mutant comes in contact to it, it's sort of like a deadly anthrax type reaction to it. Or it's, it's basically sterilizing and killing mutants. Just mutants. Or, Just mutants, yes. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know if you saw the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, but it seems like when it touched somebody who wasn't in human DNA or, or genes, it would kill them completely, turn them into stone and kind of crumble up. Uh, so that that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So they kind of, you know, in the in the TV show, they kind of took that it's hurting mutants kind of thing and played on it. But in the TV, I mean, in the comic books, to my knowledge now. It only affects mutants, and it's, you know, that's the big battle or the oncoming battle. And something happened during, after the Secret Wars up to the relaunched Marvel last year that resulted in the death of the older version of Cyclops, not, a, not the younger one. Cool. Interesting. So speaking of deaths, we know in the first uh, issue of Civil War, they kill off War Machine or uh, James Rhodes. What did you think of watching and seeing Thanos do kill him? Yeah, it's, it's a little weird because, I mean, of course they were large in numbers when they went to attack Thanos, but to me, just from the movie universe, Thanos is like not, you know, he's not an easy person to defeat or easy thing to defeat. So, I mean, I guess they... They, I think they even said it in the comic. They thought they can get the jump on him because he wouldn't be expecting them. But yeah, it was it was it was kind of weird seeing War Machine get pummeled. Tony Stark kind of just flips his lid after learning it, and rightfully so. So I mean, he they just talked about how this power could be used for for things that you know. How are you going to judge somebody when they haven't done? the deed at least, at least if they're in the act of doing something bad you can say okay we think they're finna do something bad but if they've done nothing how are you going to pass judgment on that person right you know do you whose whose ability is it to decide who gets who who okay what am i trying to say here where do you draw the line of understanding does this person interpret because that's that's part of Tony's argument that they presented and that's why I actually am enjoying reading some of this where does that vision come from because this is someone who just has received their powers they've just gotten their powers their powers are new they don't understand their powers how can you go carte blanche or you know full throttle into saying, well, if this person sees this vision, we've got to follow it. You know, where's that blind following that Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, is following because you don't understand how his powers, A, work, and B, does his experiences impact his interpretation of whatever that vision that he's seen might be? Yeah, I mean, and it's also like the whole timey-wimey thing. I mean, you're the very thing you could be trying to stop could be setting those events in motion, which honestly I think would have happened if not uh, we had what happened to Bruce Banner happened from Hawk uh, from from Hawkeye. Okay, so so uh, so, so so let's let, let's jump up because you just mentioned uh, what happened in in the third one. So explain to everyone what happened in Civil War. Two number three that you just referred to. Yeah, well, so after after Tony Stark kid, kidnaps Ulysses and May, um, eventually everyone comes back to Tony Stark's hideout or wherever he is. They don't really say um, to get him back. And while they're retrieving Ulysses, he has a, a massive, powerful, powerful vision, and it's so powerful everybody there experiences it as well. And the the, the vision basically uh, equates to the Hulk killing almost everybody. <laughs> it's just a, 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 a massive scene of death involving the Hulk. 
and that's pretty much uh, what leads to yeah that leads to the next thing. They're they're gonna try and stop them. So so jumping ahead, and it's interesting uh, that the week before Civil War Two Number Three came out was the latest episode, uh, episode latest issue of the totally awesome Hulk with um, Amadeus Cho as the awesome Hulk, not the Incredible Hulk. And he actually found Bruce Banner living where he's seen in Civil War II, number three. And they do discuss how he's not hulked out over the last, uh, you know, year. And it goes into how Amadeus became the awesome Hulk to begin with. And it even on top of that goes into ending with a scene of Bruce looking out into the desert where he first became the Hulk. And it was this peaceful, you know, ending now going back, knowing what they, they were going to do uh, one week later, it was like, okay, well, this was his, you know, send off moment. In other news, there's, there's another, another Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <there's, laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, there's two of everything. Yeah. The, the, this, this kid that's about, I would say, 17, 18, 19 years old. He's the eighth smartest person in the Marvel Universe. And he somehow siphoned off enough gamma energy to become the awesome Hulk. And it's, whereas, you know, She-Hulk keeps her personality, she keeps her intellect, whereas Jennifer Walters in her human or non-Hulked-out form was meek and timid. The She-Hulk is bold and you know, vivacious, totally different from the Jennifer. Well, this guy is more of kind of, I guess, I don't want to call him like a geek, but, the, you know, he's a computer genius. And and then now he's this like, oh, I'm awesome, you know, as the whole. Oh, really? So, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Which, which, you know, which, and the same thing of what you said earlier, in the movies, if they wanted to change and have someone else playing, well, you've got a you know, young adult, teenage Hulk now as opposed to the Hulk that's been around since the 60s. Wow, that's that's cool. <laughs> that's cool, I did not know that. <laughs> so we see them, uh, you know, the, the, you, we see the heroes come, we see all, you know, them confront Banner, and Banner starts getting ill but he starts getting ill or getting upset over the actions of one person or the result of one person and you remember who that was uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now I the mean, inhuman slapdog and I'm not talking about Lockjaw their dog huh their lap dog um, their lap beast I should say Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, so the the elder beast is uh, I'll call him. He, um, what was it? He hacked into the um, you know Bruce's equipment or Bruce's uh, data network and sees that Bruce is experimenting on himself and immediately everyone jumps to the conclusion. Oh, you're trying to Hulk out again. Yeah, I mean, and quite frankly, I don't blame them for being mad. They, you know, uh, Tony Stark and, and uh, Captain Marvel came in and kind of distracted him. And, you know, of course, he's out there with every superhero known to man in, in the, some field out there. <laughs> and Beast is in the background hacking into his computers. So, yeah, yeah that, that was kind of awful in a way. But, man, I could see why he would hulk out over that. And, and, and again, rightfully so, but it goes back to what you said. By going there, did you not create the circumstance that would have set into motion him hulking out to begin with? Yeah, well, what, what you're trying to stop, you're in, in, in hindsight creating. <laughs> right. <laughs> and saying. so we see, you know, so he's, sit, you know, he's standing there and we see the arrow coming and I'm like, okay, Really? Yeah, it it's, it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere because I, I wasn't expecting that to happen at all. Um, now I actually expected Tony Stark to die. To be honest with you, when I was reading, I did expect him to Hulk out. I, I expected it not to necessarily go the way that the Vision 
uh, you know, the premonition went. I expected it to be something that the Hulk kills him maybe by accident, by accidentally not seeing him and swaps, swats him away and accidentally, you know, doesn't realize, oh, well, there he was and, you know, it kills him again in accident. But I didn't expect it to go the way that they took it. Yeah. And like, I mean, again, like the thing you just said about them putting X-Men in the background kind of now it's kind of jumping at me now that I'm looking at these panels over again. Cause there's one, one panel where like old man Wolverine is like running through the field, but they never give him a close up to talk to him the whole time. Right. <laughs> and of course, you know that you can't get away without showing Spider-Man. So there's plenty of Spider-Man to be had in these books. Yeah. So like, but again, they have some type of deal in works where they're, in the movie universe, they're in in with Spider Man from now on. So he's and you actually a lot of had both time. both Spider Man Spider Man in there, didn't you? Yeah, they were both had, there. Yeah, you had both, which was cool. Wow. And now, out of the Inhumans, the one that I disliked the most, and I, you know, I have no reason for disliking this character other than for some reason I just do. I don't like Medusa, the Queen. I do not like her. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything particular about her that, that I don't really like or would seem like would make you dislike her. Is that, did she do something to some character that you really, I, sure? probably so. Cause that tends to happen. You know, that's why I didn't like Jubilee because remember I said she was mean to Kitty at one point. So she probably yeah. was rude to somebody I like. So, uh, that's now, interestingly enough, Medusa at one point was a member of the Fantastic Four. Wow, that's okay. interesting. No, I'm all right. here. Okay, all right. I thought I'd lost you there for a second. Uh, yeah, she replaced Sue Storm back, I think, probably in the late 60s, early 70s, when Sue, um, I believe it was when she had Franklin, was when Medusa replaced her. Oh, let me ask you this. What do you think about Captain Marvel having such a problem? prominent role she's the leader of the ultimate ultimates Ultimate. is that right or? yeah she's the she's the de facto leader of the ultimate and she's also in charge of this uh they've used the, the team name alpha flight as as a uh, space station or uh sort of like the united nations of space for uh earth I used to like Captain, and I guess this is my night of haterade, but uh, I used to like Captain Marvel, the Carol Dan- Danvers version when she was Miss Marvel, but for some reason, ever since she became Captain Marvel, I've not liked her. Really? Has the transition been re- or Because it seems like I've, I haven't seen much of her character until lately. She's popping up a lot, and it might yeah, be because of Civil War. She's been around so long that she was... Uh, hanging with the X-Men back in the mid-'80s when um, they were off in space right after Gene's, Gene was killed. If you fast-forward again, the, the third book, and it's, it, it basically uh, is the events we just talked about, but it's like some, like a movie, it's like a trial going on, and you're kind of jumping back and forth uh, between panels of the trial and the actual event. So... D- did I interpret it correctly in that we do not know what the verdict was, or did you get a feeling of what the verdict was at the end of the trial? Um, I don't think we know, but of course, at the end of the book, you have um, you have Tony Stark saying that he knows what it is. You know, he's kind of, I guess he's kind of given up and knows that that uh, Clint will get off. Um, so and I, we, and I don't I, I, think he will. I honestly think that they might uh, that it, that they might send him to jail. Yeah. So that being said, uh, where do you think they're going to go with this? How many books do we have left in this series? And is it is it almost over? Is it going to run? I think the there's either six or seven. I'm I'm honestly not sure, but I do know that Marvel is. Um, supposed to be redoing their entire line once again in October, September, October with all new number ones, which really, this whole, yeah, with this whole idea of, of every year, let's, let's have everything, a brand new number one, this, I, I don't like that. But is a number one without really resetting anything is more just like an event driven. 
Well, Not it's though. it's it's called Marvel Now, and the now looks shattered, and it's uh, the theme is divided we stand. So it's going to evidently end with two sets of heroes, which is the same thing that happened after Civil War, the first Civil War. The only difference was you had um, the Green Goblin, uh, Norman Osborn, dismantles S.H.I.E.L.D. and creates something called Hammer, and he was in charge of that. So he had come in under the radar and took over S.H.I.E.L.D. and dismantled it and set up this on his own organization at the end of the original Civil War. Ah, uh, cool, cool. We'll see. It should be interesting. Yep, I agree. I agree. Looking at the time and looking at what we covered, I think we pretty much covered as much as we can cover other than the fact of saying Marvel killed the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> uh, but we have Awesome Hulk now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they awesomely killed the Incredible Hulk. Oh, so, man. how long the, do you think it's going to take before we see the return of the Incredible Hulk? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll pose this question to you. You're you're a comic aficionado. You've been reading for years. You've seen characters be killed and seemingly come back by some miraculous event. What, what's the weirdest way you've seen somebody come back? And what's the most poignant way? Or what's the, the, the best written way you've seen one come back? The best written way I would say that I've seen someone come back would be the return of Jean Grey, uh, the, the first time she came back. The uh, most convoluted would be either... Well, I don't... Off the top of my head, remember how they brought Captain America back. The one that I remember saying when when they killed off the character, okay, you just wrote that so that you could bring him back, was the death of of the Human Torch, the death of Johnny Storm. Uh-huh. So um, let let me do, let me do the Jean Grey, and then I'll do the Johnny Storm death. You know, as we. If you go back in the the X-Men back into the 80s, the late 70s, early 80s, when Jean became Phoenix, when she became Dark Phoenix, the editor said she has done too much for her simply to lose the Phoenix powers or even lose all of her powers. There has to be more ramifications than what, you know, her just going back to her status quo without Uh being the phoenix. That was why they said she basically has to die because she had killed, you know, thousands, millions of sentient beings as the dark phoenix, so they killed her, and then, you know, they go on without her. So they decided when they created X-Factor in 1985 to bring her back, and when they brought her back, they said, oh, well, you know, the gene that died is the phoenix. Well, she really didn't lose control of her powers. That was actually the phoenix entity itself, and it had taken Jean's form. And Jean was really in the bottom of Jamaica Bay in a <laughs> suspended animation. Seriously. Oh, how so, convenient. <laughs> so, so in 1985, you've got Jean who emerges from Jamaica Bay and <laughs> is totally alive, wearing the same dress the, that she had on in the uh, comic that she was in in the late 70s before she crashed into Jamaica Bay and emerges saying, I am Phoenix. And it's the gene having, you know, thinking that she's still on the, crashing from the space station. So... Really? They totally retconned that to say, oh, well, it wasn't really Gene that did all these uh, atrocious things. It was this cosmic entity that did that. That old suspended animation will get you every time. Okay. So <laughs> let's fast forward about 20 years, and we've got uh, an episode or issue of Fantastic Four. You've got the uh, thing and the... Uh, children that you know Valeria and or Valeria and Franklin and some 
I think there were some other people with them, and you've got this door that's leading to the negative zone. And this door is closing, and they're needing to get through, and the door is closing, and this horde of these creatures are about to burst through, and Johnny goes Nova to make sure that they don't get through, and he uh, sacrifices himself, and they shut the door, and the door locks, and as soon as the door locks and they think, oh, well, you know, Johnny sacrificed himself, it was, how long will it take before Johnny comes back? And I think it took less than a year for him to come back. You remember how they brought him back? Oh, yeah, he he actually did sacrifice himself, but he did something that instead of the creatures annihilating him, he took control of them, and then he comes back to save the day, and that's how he came back. Which, speaking of Johnny Storm, uh, and this sounds like Days of Our Lives or something like that, remember Medusa that we were talking about earlier? Yes. All right. Since Marvel canceled the Fantastic Four last year, and they've taken the Beast, I mean, excuse me, they've taken the Thing and put him with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they have taken Johnny and put him back with the Inhumans, which he is actually, I don't know if it's dating or having an affair, however you want to put it, he's seeing, that's that's a good way to put it, he's seeing um, Medusa. Now. Interesting twist on that, back in the late 60s, early 70s, Johnny was actually seeing Crystal, who is Medusa's sister. <laughs> so again, here, you know, as sands through the hourglass, so are the Marvel superheroes. Wow. All right, so uh, for anyone listening to us on Mixler, I want to thank... Uh, Anybody listening or anyone that finds us on Mixler and listens to us again, we will try our best to post episodes in advance and, you know, so that you will know we'll post it on our website as well as on our Facebook page, which is uh, www.facebook.com backslash discussing who. It's also on the web at www.discussingwho.com and at Twitter at discussing who. Uh, Clarence, do you have anything that you're working on that you'd like to share? Uh, nothing in particular. Just happy to be on the show and uh, be for- looking forward to having Lee back in the coming weeks. Good deal. I, I agree, and I hope he can get back in time for the Star Trek um, discussion because I do know that he's a big fan of Star Trek, so I would definitely like to have him on that. I want to say a, another thank you for his chiming in earlier via chat to Dave Cooper uh, look forward to talking to him on Sunday. And we're going to end our live feed here in a moment. But for those of you listening on the actual uh, iTunes download or on our website feed, we will be right back with some feedback from one of our previous episodes. Hi, guys. Really enjoyed the discussion in uh, episode 10 of Discussing Who. I think. Uh, as we look at issues of uh, changing a character's age and race or gender or sexual orientation, uh, of course, as we, as we consider, does that change the character, as is so often the case? Uh, the, question, uh, the answer, I think, is, is it depends. Um, you know, for some characters, uh, some of those uh, aspects of their character are very central to who they are, and for others, some of those aspects may not be as important, so you can change them without really changing who the character is. Uh, just uh, an example uh, in uh, the world of uh, uh, comic-to-film adaptations, in, uh, in the film uh, Man of Steel, uh, Perry White was uh, was recast as an African American with uh, Lawrence Fishburne in the role, and uh, to my knowledge, that's the first time Perry White had been portrayed as an African American. But when you think about you know what we know about who Perry White is as a character and his background, he grew up in Suicide Slum, which is a uh, a uh, poor and crime ridden part of Metropolis. He uh, fought his way up in the newspaper industry and eventually rose to be the uh, editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. 
And so there's nothing in, in his history that, uh, that says that he couldn't be African-American just as easily as he could be white or he could be Asian or really any race. I don't think his race is really a determining factor in, in who he is or what we know about who he is. So uh, actually, I was I was uh, fairly pleased with that bit of recasting um, because I, I just like Lawrence Fishburne as an actor. Uh, on the other hand, when you change uh, when you change other characters, uh, various aspects, I think you do get a difference. Uh, um, the uh, the Fantastic Four movie recently, I, I really was disappointed in how that film was cast, and um, and. Uh, with the issue of, of race, I, I see a little bit of an issue there, um, not necessarily because they made Johnny black, but because they made Johnny black and Sue white, which uh, introduced to me an unnecessary complication into the backstory with, uh, with Sue being adopted. And I do feel like if you change that relationship between um, the uh, older sister and younger brother who are blood relatives to an adopted relationship, and especially where they're as close in age as they are, I think that changes that relationship a little bit and changes the characters some. And uh, and that's a problem that's not just bound by those two, but across the whole cast, because um, an area where Hollywood, I feel, has actually gone backwards is with age diversity. You know, the Fantastic Four, the comics, you've got uh, diversity in age amongst the, uh, the four. You have... Uh, you know, the father figure in, uh, in Reed and the grumpy uncle in Ben, who in the original stories were late 30s to early 40s. You have the, uh, the young mother figure in Sue, who at the time was uh, probably about her mid-20s. And then 17-year-old Johnny Storm is the young, you know, hothead kid brother. So, so when they're all about the same age, those dynamics are completely different, and I feel like that really changes the characters. Um, on the uh, on the other hand, if you really wanted to uh, to change a character's race, I think you could have you could have had Sue be an African American also, and it would have been it would have been fine. Again, if you if you retained the age diversity that should have been there, or you could have changed Reed uh, to an African American. I feel like that would have actually been the more progressive move to have the, uh, the uh, you know, more mature, uh, super intelligent leader of the group as an African-American as opposed to the character who's traditionally the young uh, hothead, you know, who's the comic relief. But, uh, you know, thinking along the lines even further, um, you guys raised up the recasting of the Ancient One in the new Doctor Strange film. And, uh, and my initial reaction was, well, you know, uh, like Lee said, well, you know, maybe it's nice to have a woman in the role, but the more I've thought about it, the more it, it actually bothers me. Um, I, was, uh, I was really interested in seeing some of the backlash online immediately after uh, the trailer came out uh, amongst uh, Asian Americans who uh, who viewed it as uh, whitewashing a traditional Asian character, uh, you know. So in that in that respect, it's a step backwards in uh, in diversity. And also, uh, as far as making the ancient one a woman, I, you could have had an Asian woman, but which which I would have been fine with. But if we're just thinking in terms of diversity, the Doctor Strange mythos already has a. Uh, a strong, uh, a strong female character in Clea. So if we've got two uh, strong female characters who are both white, as opposed to having one who is an older Asian man, are we becoming more diverse or are we becoming less diverse in, in the casting in the Doctor Strange film? You know, the more I think about it, I, I think I lean toward the side of it being a little less diverse than than it could have been and probably should have been, you know, if they had just stayed true to uh, to what we saw in the comics. But, you know, I think that's why it's important to, to have these discussions. I don't think there is, you know, a uh, one uh, definitive answer to that question. Uh, I think it's really by, by having these discussions about these issues, really, that we can kind of 
learn and understand more, which is why I think uh, those discussions are important. And, and so kudos to you guys for, uh, for a really good discussion on, uh, on your most recent episode. And uh, I'll look forward to the next one. Thanks. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.